2: The story. After we started to go out together, I turned 16 and Louise decided to buy me a very special birthday present for my 16th birthday and so she presented me with this beautiful silver cross that I could wear around my neck.
0: I said to her, if I wear that, my mother will kill me. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Lawrence Hirsch grew up in a Jewish family in South Africa. In his teen years, his older brother came home with a Bible, and this caused his parents to cry. Later, Lawrence's family emigrated to Australia, where his brother shared with him a passage in the Old Testament that points to a Messiah being pierced for our transgressions. How would his girlfriend Louise, back in South Africa, respond to his new interest in Jesus? We'll find out today as Lawrence and Louise share their story with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Welcome
3: to the program, Lawrence and Louise Hirsch. Thank you,
2: Eric, and shalom to you.
1: Hey, shalom, Eric.
3: Shalom to you too. Shalom means peace. Do yes. I got that right? Absolutely. It all right. also
1: means hello and goodbye.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that's a very practical word. helps you out in a, in a lot of situations. Certainly does. Excellent. And now <laughs> I, I mentioned that you are Lawrence and Louise Hirsch, so I kind of gave away a little of the story that you eventually got married.
2: Yes, we are. We're married now uh, for 34 years. righty. So
3: we're going to go back in time and find out how that all came about. But let's first begin back in South Africa. Lawrence, what was it like growing up in a Jewish family in South Africa? Are there there many Jewish people there?
2: Well, uh, it's an interesting history of the Jewish people in South Africa. Um, You know, some of the uh, listeners may know of the story of Fiddler on the Roof. Yes, yes. A wonderful play and movie, of course. Yeah. Well, that's a whole story about uh, Jewish people in Eastern Europe, in Russia, in places like Latvia and Lithuania, back in the end of the 1800s. And at that time, there were pogroms that uh, broke out against the Jewish people in Eastern Europe. And so, it is actually historical, that period. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of these uh, persecutions of Jewish people in that area, people were deciding, where are we going to go? And in the story of Phil on the Roof, of course, they are um, going through a time of persecution mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the story, they're all deciding where we're going. Some people saying, well, we're going to America, and that's Mm -hmm. when there was a a very large immigration of Jews to the States. Mm -hmm. Some people went to England. Some went to Israel. Some came to Australia at that time. But also there were around 40,000 Jewish people coming from Latvia and Lithuania and decided to move to South Africa. And that's where my great-grandparents came from. So were they among the group that was – Characterized in the movie Fiddle Around the Roof? Are very much the same kind of uh, lifestyle, uh, Jewish families uh, in little villages in Eastern Europe, um, quite traditional. Okay. And so my great grandparents came from Latvia, Lithuania, as I said, and moved to South Africa. And uh, my great grandfather on my mother's side, his name was uh, Elias uh, Lazarus, mm-hmm. he moved, as many Jews did in those days, to the farming areas of South Africa. Hmm. Back in Europe, they weren't actually allowed to own land, hmm. and so one of the first things they did was move to the farming areas in South Africa, and my great-grandfather became an ostrich farmer in the southern Cape area of uh, South Africa.
3: Oh, okay. Well, I love the movie Fiddler on the Roof. Did your grandfather ever sing, If I Were a Rich Man? <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably not. It probably hadn't been written yet, but uh, certainly… Um, they were quite a, a strong Jewish community. It's actually a small hmm. town in the uh, uh, eastern Cape called Otsorn. Hmm. And a whole lot of Jewish people moved there. And I still have today in my possession a title deed for a seat in the synagogue that they had established in Otsorn. Uh, that uh, synagogue is still there today, but now it's a museum. Hmm. And uh, my great-grandparents are actually buried in that town, Otsorn. Okay. So you have this wonderful Jewish heritage in South Africa. What
3: were some of the things that you did as a young Jewish boy?
2: Well, I think that uh, some of my earliest memories really uh, is about my grandfather. Mm-hmm. He was very, uh, a very large character, um, very charismatic, and uh, quite a religious man. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who influenced me when it comes to anything about Judaism or uh, anything about faith. And I remember as a very young boy going to synagogue with him every Shabbat, mm-hmm. but also yeah. Another memory I have is of my grandfather praying in the mornings. In particular, I would uh, lie on the bed while he prayed. My grandparents lived right next to us, which was a real privilege. But I'd watch him pray. So he would put on tefillin, which is the prayer phylacteries. It's a a leather strap around your left arm and then Mm -hmm. another strap around your head with a a, a box on the end uh, of that strap, which is placed on your forehead. And that's a literal fulfillment of the command that God said to the Israelites that you shall bind my law on your forearm and as frontlets between your eyes. And so Jewish people do this literally three times a day, Mm -hmm. binding the tefillin around their arm and around their head and say a certain set of prayers. One of those prayers is the Shema prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so I would listen to my grandfather doing that and watch him do it. And he'd always be praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our forefathers. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had another ritual, which he would pray for all the relatives, all those who were deceased, Mm -hmm. and also all of us who were alive. And uh, that really formed my first impressions about God. And God, for us as Jews, was the God of our forefathers, God of our, our past. And, of course, we celebrated that in all our festivals how God had delivered us from Egypt, how God had uh, uh, brought us into the promised land and given us the law. But God for me as a a young Jewish boy was the God of our past. I Mm -hmm. didn't really know God in any personal way myself in Mm -hmm. the present. Okay, so now let's switch over to you, Louise. What was your life like growing
3: up in South Africa?
1: I grew up in Cape Town um, in a beautiful seaside village called Gordons Bay. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a nominal Christian home And we just loved the sea and the beaches, beautiful mountains. And Lawrence's family had actually moved to um, Somerset West, which was about a 15-minute drive away. So um, we met really young. I was 14 and 15. And so when I met Lawrence, I really liked him, but I was also very shy. Hmm. But um, you won't think I'm shy when I tell you the story. Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Well... One night, uh, there was a party uh, in the local town, and I just know at that party, about four other girls liked the same guys I liked. I thought Lawrence was very handsome. He still is very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> That's a and, smart thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I um, I really liked him a lot, but I also had a bit of competition. So, I'm one, this one particular time, I walked into the party, and um, it all the girls that liked him as well were there. And... He walked in, and this one girl had cornered him. So I thought, what am I going to do to get his attention? (laughs) And I walked past, and I put my hand on my forehead, and I said, I feel so faint. (laughs) And I pretended to faint, and yours truly caught me. (laughs) I
3: love that
2: story, of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I say I've had his attention ever since, but it's not really true, because I did make him run after me after that.
3: (laughs) Well, I've heard a lot of
2: ways... (laughs) That people have met each other, but that's a, a new one. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> yes, well, we, we did fall in love at a very young age. As we said, I was 15. Louise was 14. Um, my parents weren't all that happy yeah, with me dating a yeah. non-Jewish girl. I was going to ask you about that. Going back to the movie Fiddler on the Roof, it's all about
3: the daughters marrying different people, some of them outside of the faith. And so, was that kind That's of right. your story right there? How did your parents <laughs> well, feel about this?
2: My parents were quite smart in the sense that they knew they couldn't forbid me from having a relationship with Louise, but in their own way, of course, especially my mother would make it clear that they weren't all that happy mm. about me dating a non-Jewish girl. But certainly, Louise came into our lives and from a very early age started to learn about Judaism and uh, Jewish way of life because, as I said, my Grandparents live next door, so every Shabbat would have dinner with them on a Friday night. Louise would be part of that, uh, celebrating Jewish that tradition. Mean? Well, Shabbat is the beginning of the Sabbath, and uh, after a synagogue service, normally you'd have a lovely meal at your home. Mm-hmm. Say a few prayers, celebrate together as a family, lovely time a very warm and uh, enjoyable time. Mm-hmm. And I still remember those wonderful Shabbats that we had together as a family with my grandparents mm-hmm. and uncle and aunt and all of us together. Oh. Just the the, f- the smell of the food still comes back to my mind and all the great times that we had. And Louise was part of that.
3: Yeah, so if I'm understanding you correctly, because she was receptive and respecting your traditions, they probably thought, well, she'll eventually become Jewish.
1: That's right. I was going to convert. That was the plan. Um I used to talk to God when I was a little girl But then I really just fell away What did
3: you think of all these traditions And all these things that you had I loved it, it was beautiful and I
1: really wanted to convert to Judaism That was the plan Mm -hmm. And we'd always talked about it And said that if we were to marry one day That I would convert and become Jewish myself So that was sort of the plan And my parents were very happy about that They didn't mind at all Okay. But God had other plans for us
0: (laughs) You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Lawrence and Louise Hirsch, who are sharing their story. As we heard, Lawrence Hirsch grew up in a Jewish family in South Africa, and Louise grew up in a nominal Christian family. We'll find out some of the challenges they faced as a couple when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Lawrence and Louise Hirsch. As we heard before the break, Lawrence Hirsch grew up in a Jewish family in South Africa and Louise grew up in a nominal Christian family. Next, we'll hear some of the challenges they faced as they grew in their relationship.
2: Well, you know, it was a, a steep learning curve uh, for Louise uh, coming into our family and learning more about Jewish ways of life and Jewish ideas and uh, some of the the history of the Jewish people for instance it's a a funny story but it's worth telling it and that is that uh, after we started to go out together I turned 16 and Louise decided to buy me a very special birthday present for my 16th birthday and so she presented me with this beautiful silver cross that I could wear around my neck and I said if, <laughs> I said to her if I wear that my mother will kill me and she at first didn't understand why what were you thinking, Louise?
1: <laughs> well, I don't really know why I brought in that, but I think it's been an incredible story for us to tell, you know, today because it actually it gives a very good explanation of how Jewish people perceive the cross. And so Lawrence will Yeah, be- so
2: for me, you know, and for Jewish people the cross is an object an image of hate and murder mm, because uh, of but, the history. Yeah, for Christians of course it's the place where the Messiah died and paid mm. for our sins, mm-hmm. but uh, for Jewish people, it reminds us of the cross-bearing crusaders of the 9th and 11th centuries, mm. you know, the crusaders that made their way through Europe to free the uh, holy land from the infidel. So, on, they
3: would persecute Jewish people while wearing a cross, is that kind of? Well, better? yes,
2: and of course, the flag of the crusaders had a cross on it, mm. a nice big red cross, or I think it was, and so, you know, on their way through Europe, they'll be uh, murdering and raping Jewish women, mm. um, burning synagogues. And also we we uh, hear from the history books that on one occasion, I think it was in the 11th century when the Crusaders finally came into Jerusalem, they killed hundreds of Jewish people on the Temple Mount. Mm. And also Muslims at that time too. So people were killed and they said the blood was knee-deep on the Temple Mount mm. at that time. So when we think of the cross we think of persecution we think of uh, pogroms uh, even i guess um persecution and hatred of jews that led to the holocaust mm. in the 20th century so
1: uh there so louise
3: just innocently what did you think
2: well he's kind of into religion so maybe i'll get him something religious is that
3: kind of
1: must have been that <laughs> yeah
2: yeah so that was a real learning curve but uh and it's important because uh Images bring up different feelings Mm, to different people. It's such a
3: positive thing for myself as a Christian, but yet, because of all the reasons you mentioned, it meant something very
2: different for Mm. people in your family. Right. And so, uh, Louise certainly picked it up very quickly and, as I said, grew in her understanding. And um, we had decided that when we got married, not if, because we were very determined, Mm -hmm. that she would convert to Judaism. But then something else happened, and that is that my parents, like many other Jewish people at the time in South Africa, were worried about the future in South Africa. And it was a time of turmoil. Uh, There were a lot of riots. There was a a movement, of course, to bring change to South Africa, Mm. but it made everyone, especially white South Africans, very nervous about the future. Mm. And Jewish people, again, because of all the history that we have, of persecution and uh, times of um, near genocide, like in mm. the Holocaust, we're always very nervous about what's the future going to bring for us. And mm. so a lot of South African Jews were thinking, we need to leave. And so my parents started to think of coming to Australia. And what was this time period? This was uh, in the early 80s, very okay. early 80s. I'd uh, uh, finished school and uh, had gone to university for one year. And in that period, uh, we were deciding to leave, and in fact, normally when South African men finish school, they have to go straight into the army mm-hmm. or defer to go to university. army was compulsory at that time, and uh, that was when my family were to trying to decide whether we should leave. So I went to university. It was a very difficult time for Louise and I because we had this idea of us being separated, hanging over our relationship at oh, that time. Oh, because if your family left and she was still here. Yes, I that t- was
3: very painful. I had to school
1: still. Cool oh, separation. okay. Yeah.
3: Now, before we get to when you move eventually to Australia, I understand your older brother, who is more philosophically oriented, uh, one day kind of caused mm-hmm. some disturbance in your family, so to speak. Yes. Tell us about that. My brother was
2: always uh, much more of a thinker, mm-hmm. a bit of a philosopher and always trying to find the meaning of the universe. He was always mm-hmm. just a little bit different that way. I was a rugby player and a sportsman <laughs> uh, and wasn't given over to thinking of the uh, the meaning of the, of meaning the universe. Meaning of life and all that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he did, and uh, he had an interesting experience. As I said, Army was compulsory. He had mm-hmm. gone into Army service for two years, and uh, they had a group of friends that came together in the Army. There were five of them. Uh, There were three Jewish boys and two Gentile boys. And what brought them together was their love for marijuana, basically. Oh, really? So this isn't starting (laughs) off real good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to get through the boredom of life in the army, I guess that's Mm. what they they took to. And um, one of them, whose name was Murray, became a believer in Jesus. And my brother, Alan, took notice of what happened to this man's life. Murray uh, stopped smoking stopped taking drugs, and yet uh, my brother noticed that he walked around with more peace than the rest of them put mm. together. And so my brother, you know, obviously was very curious as to what happened to Murray. Murray shared with the group about how he had become a Christian, not just, you know, uh, a normal Christian, but he had become a born-again Christian, and he shared with them his newfound faith. And my brother was intrigued about this. And that's when he uh, brought home from one we can pass from the army a Bible and some Christian literature. My brother and I shared a room in those days, and he hid that literature in his uh, room somewhere under his bed. And I don't know how exactly, but my parents found that literature, and that's when everything broke loose. So my parents were very upset because of all the reasons you mentioned before. That was kind of like consorting with the other side, or right. is that kind well, of how they're looking at it? He, he brought home a New Testament. Well, I think it was a Bible with Old and New Testament. And of mm. course, we never had a New Testament in our in our homes. The New mm. Testament for Jewish people is considered to be an anti Semitic document mm. that must be full of hate and murder because that's how Christians behave towards us mm. through the centuries. So going it's, going a, to the Crusades. it's a closed book. Mm. So the fact that he brought one into the home, even though my parents themselves were not religious, they were certainly traditional and culturally Jewish and were very upset with my brother. And uh, wanted to put an end to any notion of him believing in Jesus. And so there was a lot of screaming and shouting, and oh, wow. my dad was cried, and my my mom pleaded. My brother was shocked. He, he didn't too, know that
3: it would cause all this. He never
2: expected such a reaction, and he promised them to put it aside. But uh, it was after that period when we had moved to Australia that my brother, having come to a new country like we had just moved mm-hmm. and coming out of our comfort zones, coming to a whole new country and uh, culture. Um, he started to think more again of Jesus, and he landed up in a job where the manager of that store that he was working in was a born-again Christian. Wow, he just couldn't get away from born-again Christians. <laughs> right, and this guy really shared the gospel with my brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, invited him to one of their prayer groups, uh, or Bible studies, and it was at this particular Bible study that my brother prayed to accept Jesus as the Messiah, and he tells me that he had a supernatural experience with God, mm. and uh, his life was completely changed. And he began to share this with me. At first, I thought he had lost his mind completely. He would always been, as I said, the open-minded one, mm. and we thought now he had become so open-minded that he lost his brains. <laughs> uh, He said he came to, you know, believe in Jesus. Jesus had changed his life. He's come to love Jesus. These were all very foreign concepts to us and awkward for us. And my Mm. parents were, again, very, very upset with him. But he persevered. We all thought that he would – Just a phase. uh, It'll be a phase. It'll go away. Mm. But he didn't. He persevered and, uh, in fact, started uh, Bible study and went to Bible school. And um, at that time, he was really – Witnessing to me, and he began sharing with me from the scriptures. And also, he was quite smart, he had placed a prayer next to my bed, a, what I know now as the sinner's prayer. <laughs> I never prayed that prayer because I thought I wasn't a sinner. Why should I pray that? It's for for, uh, for murderers and thieves, oh, really etc. Yeah. Really bad people. But he began to share his testimony and um, share his uh, understanding of the Messiah with me. Now, Growing up in a Jewish home, of course, we believe in the Messiah. We believe that the Messiah is to come. Mm -hmm. So what uh, often I would do at school, for instance, when a Christian said to me that I needed to believe in Jesus, I would very politely say, well, you Christians believe the Messiah has come. We Jews are still waiting for the Messiah to come. Mm -hmm. And so we had, of course, notion and ideas about the Messiah, but I can't say that I was biblically informed about it. I never read the prophecies In the Tanakh, as we call it, the Old Testament, about the Messiah. And so those are the prophecies my brother began to open up with me and, uh, read scriptures to me. Uh, he read scriptures, for instance, from Jeremiah chapter 31 that spoke about a new covenant that God would make with Israel. Now, when I grew up in Judaism, I'd never heard of a new covenant. I'd always heard of the covenant, the Mm. Sinai covenant, the law. So it was quite a surprise to hear about a a new covenant that God would make with us. And then I think the final nail in the coffin, if you like to put it that way, of me coming to faith was really prophecy in Isaiah, chapter 53, mm-hmm. which I now know as the the suffering servant song. And it's an amazing prophecy about a suffering servant of God who would be innocent But he would take our sins upon himself, that he would be crushed and pierced for our transgressions. Now, when my brother first read that to me, I said, well, interesting. That must be from the New Testament, because he hadn't told me where it was from in the Bible. I assumed it was New Testament, and he showed me he had read from the prophet Isaiah, a Jewish prophet who wrote 700 years before Jesus. So that really, really hit home, Mm -hmm. reading all about the suffering servant dying for our sins, and that he'll be buried and rise again from the dead. So that really struck a chord in my heart, and I started to ponder in my heart about Jesus being the Messiah. But what I think is really amazing is back home in South Africa, Louise was going through a similar experience with her brother. I'll let her tell the story.
1: My brother Mark was surfing, and we were very close, and he came one day, home one day, and he said to my mom, Hi, Mom, I've become a Christian. And she said, What? What do you mean, Mark? You've always been one. And he said, no, mom, it's different. I've accepted Jesus into my life, and I just have made a personal commitment to him. And we didn't know what that meant, but we did watch his life. And his life changed so much so that it really made an impact on us. So what happened was um, Lawrence was um, in Australia, and he phoned me one night, and he said, guess what? I've become a believer in Jesus. And I said to him, so have I. And it was on the same day that we had gone to a church meeting with our brothers, and we both made a commitment to the Lord on the very same day in different parts of the world. The very
3: same day. The very
1: same day, just separated by eight hours, because Australia was eight hours ahead. And we had no idea that both of us were thinking about, even thinking about Jesus or a relationship with God.
3: Wow. So, interestingly, Lawrence, it was through your older brother, and then also, it was through your brother as well. From my
1: older brother too. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Actually, my
2: brother took me to the Bensdale AOG church because he was working out at a Christian campground out that way, and I went to this church service. And I tell you, I felt awfully uncomfortable. My toes were crunching in my shoes. I felt very agitated during the happy-clappy singing and, um, and the preaching. But there was obviously something that happened in my heart mm. because when the pastor gave an altar call at the end of the service, I put up my hand. My brother couldn't believe it, but I prayed to receive the Lord on the 24th of March, 1984. And as Louise said, on the very same night back in South Africa on the 24th of March, 1984, she prayed to receive the Lord also at a church service. Wow, the so same day. A miracle wow. that God did in our lives. Unbelievable. Well, that's just the
3: beginning of your story. We're going to stop it right there because we've run out of time for this first part of our conversation, but we'd like to have you come back again next time to tell more of your story. Will that be okay?
0: It'll be a pleasure. Thanks,
1: Eric.
0: Well, that was part one of Eric Scatterbo's conversation with Lawrence and Louise Hirsch, who were both originally from South Africa. And it was great to hear how God was working in their lives simultaneously to bring both of them to faith in Him. We invite you to join us again next time for part two of Lawrence and Louise sharing their story. We'll find out how they become involved in ministry to Jewish people and how, unfortunately, they have faced some extreme challenges regarding the health of their daughter Sarah. All this and more is coming up next time. Meanwhile, we'll end today with the verse in the Bible that was instrumental in Lawrence putting his faith in Jesus. It's Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And of course, this is a prophecy from the Old Testament of Jesus coming to die for our sins. It's also a verse that has led many people from a Jewish background to put their faith in Jesus. Well, until next time, when we'll hear part two of Lawrence and Louisa's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. For a lot of
2: people in their mind, if you're Jewish and you become a Christian, then you lose your Jewish identity. And that's certainly something that I grew up with, And sometimes people say to me, Lawrence, you are a converted Jew, aren't you? And I say, No, I'm a converted sinner that just happens to be Jewish. I never repented of being Jewish because that's not a sin. And so I am still Jewish.
0: Lawrence and Louise Hirsch join us once again to share more of their story, including how the Lord led them to become involved in a ministry to Jewish people. Also, they'll share how Lawrence's parents responded to him believing in Jesus, the Messiah. All that and more